You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Ooh, we're going to have to do a little better than that. I'm going to try one more time. We're gonna, I'm just here. Let me just call on. I'm just going to come over here. All right, here we go. Oh, come on. Hey, good morning, Connection Mill. How are we doing? Good. All right. All right. Well, my name is John, and I'm just thrilled to be able to be with y'all this morning. Um, for those of you that I do have not met yet, um, I was actually here when we first started this church. I got to be part of the um, kind of, I guess, the launch team to kind of get this campus going. And uh, now I uh, serve in the Statesboro uh, campus, serve over kind of the production area, and glad to be able to do that. Um, but uh, Jeremy asked me um, about a month ago or so to uh, come and share with y'all, and I was just thrilled about that. Um, as you know, both Jeremy and Dallas have recently had babies, and so we're thrilled about that, but we wanted to be able to give them a couple uh, weeks off just to kind of get used to being fathers and just thankful for for, for them. I'm super thankful for them. It's just, it's been incredible what the Lord's been doing here in Millen. And um, I'm just so glad I, I got to be a part of it in just a, even a, a small way. And so I'm just excited to see um, what the Lord's doing here and just pray that he continues to move um, in this community and, and all the different campuses that um, Connection's a part of. I just pray that we'll be able to continue to reach more people. Um, today we are continuing this series called God Honestly. It'll be up on the screen here in just a second. Um, but basically this whole series, we're gonna be in the Psalms. And the Psalms are a really cool book of the Bible because I kind of view them almost as journal entries, almost like if you were um, writing a diary to God, this is kind of what the Psalms look like. And what's cool about that is that when you're, you're reading these Psalms, sometimes they're, they're very, very honest, hence the, the name of the series. Sometimes when the psalmist is writing, they're, they're praising God and they're saying, God, you are great, you are mighty, I'm so in love with you, I'm so thankful for you. And there's other times that the psalmist is going, God, I'm kind of frustrated right now. God, where are you? I'm not seeing you right now. And so you just see this very, very honest relationship that the psalmists have with God. And it's almost as if this is their prayer language. This is them just communing and talking with the Lord. And so that's what we're gonna be looking at through this entire series. Last week, we looked at Psalm 63 and we looked at what it's, what it's like when we're going through some of those desert periods in our life when we're going through those times when it's just trouble is in our life or maybe there's pain or maybe there's hurt. And how do we respond in those situations? How do we respond to the Lord? How do we still have faith? How do we still have hope in the Lord when those tough times are coming? Today, we're gonna be in Psalm 103 if you wanna go ahead and turn there. Um, this again is a Psalm of David. Every one of the Psalms we'll be reading throughout this series is a Psalm of David. And when Jeremy told me to, that this was gonna be the, the passage I was gonna be speaking on, um, I was really excited about it. I read through it. I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be a good one. This is gonna be a, a one I can really lean in on some stuff. And so I was excited about it. And then I started preparing and I started really trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about. And man, I struggled. I struggled trying to come up with with how do I, where do I wanna go with this? I didn't really have a good outline. I didn't really have a good idea where I wanted to go. There wasn't exactly like, you know, bullet points. There wasn't any like alliteration that a lot of, you know, pastors do where they wanna use the same letter for every word for all the different points. I just, I didn't have any of that. And so I was just struggling. And so um, I'm praying that this morning that the Lord still uses this message. The Lord still speaks to us um, this morning. I believe that um, he's got a good message for us. And really my, my hope, if nothing else happens today, I want this to be a reminder to us. I want us to take Psalm 103 and I want us to be reminded of the goodness of God. I want us to be reminded of the truth that we see in Psalm 103. I think a lot of times we know these things maybe in the back of our mind or in the back of our heart, but I wanna to try to bring this to the forefront so when we leave today, it is so much on our mind that we don't lose sight of it. And so what I wanna do is I wanna go and read through the entire Psalm. It's just uh, 22 verses. Um, but we're gonna read through it and then we're gonna pray and we will dive into the rest of the message. So Psalm 103 says this, it says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forgot, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, amen. 
or repay us according to his iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you, his angels, you mighty one who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly host, you, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Let's pray. Father, we, um, God, we are just so thankful for you. God, we turn to you, our savior, God, our deliverer. God, we're just thankful for the compassion that you show to us, God, for the fact that you are slow to anger towards us, God. Even though so often we end up struggling with the same things seemingly over and over again, and yet, God, your grace is abundant, God. I'm thankful for your son. God, I'm thankful for the forgiveness that was extended to us through the cross, God, I'm thankful for this opportunity to just gather in your name, to sing praises to you, God. I pray that that, God, is just what we long to do each and every day, God, is just to sing your praises. So God, I just ask that you speak to us this morning. Speak to each individual the exact message that they need to hear this morning, God. Use these words. We lift all this up in your son's name. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, um, I was up at the church and there's a, a lady in our church that likes to come up during the week and she'll walk through the building, she'll pray over the rooms. And sometimes she just sets up shop in our conference room and she'll turn off the lights, she'll open up her laptop, she will uh, turn on some worship music, sit on her knees, and she'll just spend time worshiping the Lord. She'll spend time praying to the Lord. And it's just so cool to be able to, to see her each and every week, just praying for us, praying for this church, praying for unbelievers, praying for people that are hurting. And just, you can hear her just singing those praises. So it's a really, really cool thing to be able to see and to see her faithfulness in that. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, Bo, who was here last week, hopefully y'all enjoy, enjoyed Bo last week. He's Bo is Bo. Um, love Bo. But um, his son was up at the church and he saw um, this lady in the conference room. He kind of had that, that look like, what's going on in there? And so he kind of goes up to, he's maybe in fourth grade or so. He goes up to another person that's on staff and he said, what's that lady doing in there? Like, who is that? And he's like, Man, that's Miss that's Vivian. She's, she's worshiping right now. He's like, worshiping? It's not even Sunday. And like, he just like, he, it so blew his mind that this lady's up here singing praises to God and it wasn't even Sunday. And it's like, I thought about that and it was just kind of a, a funny story, but I think, man, how often is that true for us? How often do we just associate worship or we associate singing or we associate praise or we associate just our lifestyle of worship to a day, to a time, to uh, whatever it may be, to a building. So often we associate that. And I was telling my wife this story um, even this week, and just we were just kind of talking about that, and we just we both were like, man, to think about the discipline that Miss Vivian has, that each and every week she comes up there, and sometimes it's for hours at a time that she'll just discipline herself to prayer and to praise, and we're just like, man, there's no way we could have that type of discipline. There's no way we would be so distracted. We'd all, we both of us were just thinking like, man, we'd be thinking about all the different things we needed to be doing, right? I just became a father as well. And so uh, my daughter's about 10 weeks old. And so obviously there's a lot of things that need to be done, a lot of laundry that needs to be done. There's, I don't know how there's so many bottles that need to be washed. Like parents in here are like, what's up with the bottles? Like they just keep on coming every single like hour. There's like more, it's like she just keeps on eating. It's the strangest thing, right? So like, I'm really, I've washed a lot of bottles. So, but like, there's just so much to do. And we're just thinking to ourselves, man, if we're spending that time with the Lord, we would just be like, man, there's so many other things I need to be doing. And as we were talking about this, we kind of both stopped in our tracks and like, man, that's the issue, isn't it? is that we think to ourselves in the moments of, if we're gonna set aside some time to pray to the Lord, to just worship the Lord, and we're thinking all the other stuff we need to be doing, the reality is, what do we need to be doing? We need to be doing just that. We need to be praising. We need to be spending that time in prayer. But man, how much our culture 
has changed our mind on that and how much our culture drags our attention to other things. About a while back, I was um, reading through a book. It's called The Screwtape Letters. It's a book by um, a guy named C.S. Lewis. For those of you, maybe some of you have read this book before. It's a really interesting book because it's written from the perspective of two demons. I know, kind of weird. But like, what's so cool about this book is C.S. Lewis is basically saying it's, it's, a, it's an uncle demon and a nephew demon. And the uncle is pouring into his nephew, basically saying, all right, this is how you're gonna get the humans. This is how you're gonna distract them from their faith. And so what C.S. Lewis is trying to do is he's trying to show us the perspective from the enemy. He's trying to show us the enemy's almost game plan, his, his playbook, because if we know the enemy's playbook, we know what to look for, right? We know how to fight against the enemy. But this is what one of the things that, the uncle is encouraging his nephew with. He says this line, he says, it is funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. And what C.S. Lewis is trying to say is that so often when I, when I think about spending that time in prayer and I'm thinking about all the different things that are coming to my mind, a lot of times I think that the enemy's just throwing all those things in my mind. And he's the one bringing up all of these things to distract me. When in actuality, I wonder if it's more that he's not trying to distract me. He knows that all these things are always gonna be there. His goal is just to keep me from prayer altogether right? Because if he keeps us from prayer altogether, he doesn't have to distract us. And that's like the, the thing that this, this demon is trying to, to say, is trying to encourage his nephew with, is that like, that's all you have to do. Just keep him from prayer and keep him from praise altogether. He goes on and he says, the safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. So again, what he's saying is that, look, the way that you distract these humans, the way you keep them away from Christ, it's not something that happens really, really quickly. It's slow. It's a progressive thing. And what happens is a lot of times we're pursuing the Lord in our faith. We're coming to church. We're maybe going to small group. Maybe there's just a little bit of where we're not quite as engaged as we once were. And he just begins slowly pulling us away and pulling us away and ultimately distracting us from setting aside and carving out that time to praise the Lord and to really give God our best. When I was preparing for this message, um, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll go out into the parking lot at the church and I'll just kind of do laps in the church. And it's always become a joke. It's if they ever see me walking around laps, they know that I'm gonna be preaching at some point. But I don't know why that's just where me and the Lord hang out is in a parking lot. Um, but I, I went out there and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna be preaching this message. I should, probably, I should probably pray about this. So I started to pray and I'm like, God, I need you to show up. God, I need you to speak to me. And I kind of stopped right there. And I realized I'm preparing for this Psalm 103. And the first thing that I went to in prayer was, God, I need you to give me something. And what we see is that's the exact opposite of what we see in Psalm 103. Because here's what David does. David, he gets very, very focused. And the reason I, I gave that, that long intro about the way that the enemy distracts us is he wants to keep us from those times that we're praising God. He wants to keep us from the times that we set aside that time to really give God our best. And so what we see at the beginning of this Psalm is David's kind of laying this foundation. He's, he's saying, look, before I get to anything else, before I talk to you, God, about my needs, before I talk to you about the things that are troubling my heart, before I do any of that, I'm gonna praise you. I'm gonna remember who you are. I'm gonna lift high the name of Jesus. Jesus, David's really trying to understand that and really trying to put that at the forefront. And so here's, here's what you see in this Psalm. Other translations also say it as bless the Lord in my soul. That's why we just sang that song. That's the, the exact same thing of where, this, um, where that song actually came from. So David's saying this, he's saying, praise the Lord, my soul. Bless the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. What David's saying is, look, every bit of me, Praise the Lord. Every bit of me, I'm gonna give God everything I have. Even when I don't think, even when I'm frustrated, even when I'm not feeling it, I'm gonna lay out this foundation. I'm gonna give God all of my praise. Praise the Lord of my soul. He continues and he says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. David's saying, look, it's very easy to forget the goodness of God. It's very easy to forget these things. I kind of think about it. You ever maybe cleaning out your garage or your attic or a back room or something like that, and you come across something that you haven't seen in a while, and you go, man, I, I forgot I even had that, right? We've all kind of had something like that before. I think that's sometimes what we do with our faith. That's sometimes what we do with these truths of God. It's not that, we, it's not that you forgot you had that thing. It's not like that just fell out of your mind and you didn't even know that you had it. You just hadn't seen it in a while. You hadn't thought about it in a while. And so you're, it kind of was, was foreign to you. I think sometimes we take these truths of scripture and they're, they're in the back of our mind. We've, we've thought about them before and we've seen them before, but it's just, 
it's not always at the forefront. And what David is trying to do is he's saying, look, we can't forget this stuff. This is too important. So when he goes on and he says, and forgetting all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Again, David is going, look, our God, this God is the one that took all of our sins away from us. So that is the reason that we praise him. That is the reason we say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And he continues and he says, heals all of our diseases. And I think the, the writer here, he, some people think he's talking a little bit more about sin, just the disease of sin. But even if it's a disease here on earth that is saying that God will heal us of all of those things. Now, the thing that's hard about reading a verse like this is what happens when you feel like God hasn't healed you or hasn't healed somebody else? Well, the hope that we have is, is one, that statement's still true. Whether you, you see it or not, we can still believe that, that that word is true because the reality is that many times we have seen God heal people in incredible ways. People in this church, you've seen that very same thing. You've seen people miraculously healed before. But the reality is sometimes we don't see that here on earth because we're living a broken world, right? There's sin in this world. Things aren't perfect. But the hope that we have is that one day all the tears will be wiped away. One day all the diseases will be wiped away. And we know that somebody that maybe did not see that type of healing here on earth, that we know that they are now with the Lord and he's healed them completely. And we have that hope and we have that trust. So when we see that he does heal our diseases, that just because we don't see it on earth doesn't mean that it's not true. And so when we recognize that, when we see that healing take place, our response is bless the Lord in my soul. He continues and it says, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with the love and compassion. So again, David's saying, he's reminding himself, look, God brought me out of death and into life. He brought me out of the darkness and into the light. And so as David's thinking about this, as David is dwelling about this, his only response is praise the Lord of my soul. Like he has brought me from this. His compassion has brought me out of this. And so again, David is so motivated by what the Lord is doing in his life. He continues and he says, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David has a good perspective on this because David didn't always turn to the Lord for his satisfaction. We know this. We, we see in David's life when he had the uh, adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, he saw Bathsheba and he said, you know what? I think that's gonna satisfy me. I think that's gonna give me worth. That's gonna give me value. And so he goes and does that. And yeah, it maybe made him, made him feel good for the moment, but then ultimately we see how that, that just brought destruction to his life. And he learned through that process that, look, all these other things, that's not gonna be what satisfies David. And he had to learn that the hard way. But what's cool is that now we can relate to David in some of those things, because I think maybe some of us in here, maybe you've turned to something else other than the Lord for your satisfaction. And, and today I want to remind us that it's only through Christ that we can find that satisfaction. He's the only person that is going to fill that void for us. And so David, again, he's reminded of the things that he's had to learn the hard way in his life. And so when he really thinks about that, when he really dwells on the fact that it is only God that satisfies, his response is bless the Lord of my soul. Like I have nothing else to say other than bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. So what we see here, church, is that David's laying this foundation. He's, again, he's not getting to anything else before he's actually praising the Lord. So he's, he's laying that foundation and he wants that to be the first and foremost thing in his mind. And then David continues and it, and it kind of transitions to where now David's laid this foundation of praise. He's laid this foundation of, of prayer where he's having kind of that right, that right mindset, that right viewpoint of God. And then he moves into this section where he remembers a time that God has been faithful. Because what happens when we, we go ahead and we, our, our first thing that we do is when we, when we praise the Lord and we put that out front, we have to back that up with something. And so what David does is he thinks back at a time when he's seen God be faithful, where he looks back at a time where he remembers the, the Lord's faithfulness to his people. And so in this next section, David kind of covers a story that kind of took place in Exodus for, you know, for his people. And so I'll kind of give you a rundown of what this, this story is taking place. So when David's thinking back, when he's remembering these things and remembering what was going on with the Israelites and with Moses, this is the story that he's remembering. That basically what's happening is God has just brought the Israelites out of Egypt. They've been in captivity. They've been in slavery. Pharaoh has, has had them. God's just brought them out of this. They've crossed the Red Sea. So God has parted the Red Sea. They've walked across on dry land. Really incredible story. God showed up in an incredible way. He brought this these, this people and he brought them out of this captivity. And so really cool thing where God really demonstrated his love. So they come out of this. Then Moses goes up and he's getting ready to receive the 10 commandments and receive the, the covenantal law from God. And here's, there's something I want to read to y'all. 
um, because it's very important to to the rest of this story. But in Exodus... Um, chapter 20, so Moses is up with God. He's getting the 10 commandments. And this is what uh, Moses says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 22, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites this, you have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. All right, so it's important to, to remember what God just said there because as Moses is still up there on the mountain and he's getting all of these laws from God, he's getting all this, this, this truth from God. Meanwhile, the Israelites are down at the bottom with Aaron, right? They get kind of bored and they're like, well, maybe, maybe Moses isn't coming back. Maybe he, he went on to do something else. I realized we just saw God do an incredible thing. I realized we just walked across dry ground and it was great, but you know what? We should probably set up some other gods. And so here's what they do. So the Israelites, they decide that we're gonna set up this golden calf. And we are going to worship this golden calf. And so immediately we think back to what God has already commanded them, said, hey, I've got one thing I want y'all to do. Hey, if you could just not worship other gods, hey, I'd really appreciate it. That would be great. Um, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm God. I've already brought you out of this, this, this captivity. So I feel like because I've done that, that kind of affords me the right to say, hey, just don't have any other gods. And yet immediately the Israelites roll back and they begin worshiping something else. And what I'm reminded about is how quickly do we do the exact same thing, right? And we might not be bound down to golden calves, but there's something in our lives that we'll bow down to. There's something that we'll give our attention to, we'll give our money to, we'll give our time to, we'll give our just so many things that we just put in front of God. So again, we do that same thing from time to time. So Moses is up there, he comes back down, he realizes what the Israelites are doing and he gets kind of frustrated. He's got the tablets, he's got the the word that God literally inscribed with his finger and Moses gets so frustrated with the Israelites because he's up there, he's trying to to commune with the Lord, he's trying to find out all this stuff from the Lord. So Moses comes down, he throws the tablets on the ground because he's mad at the Israelites for their disobedience, how quickly they ran to this other God. And it's almost like this picture of like, when we sin against God, we kind of break his law. This was almost like that, that almost a, a metaphor for that law being broken. And so then Moses is talking to his people and he's like, guys, why are you doing this? Like what, I can't believe you weren't patient enough to wait for me to come back again. And so Moses is like, all right, I'm gonna have to go and I'm gonna have to plead with the Lord that he's gonna show mercy on you. Because the reality is that at this point, the Israelites, they deserve death. They deserved a consequence because they disobeyed the Lord. And so Moses is like, I'm gonna have to go and I'm gonna plead on your behalf. And this is where I really wanna pull out what we see Moses do here. So in Exodus 33, we're jumping forward several chapters. Um, Basically all that kind of summed up, that's all that kind of was taking place there. And so now, now Moses is before the Lord and he's wanting to plead with the Lord to spare these Israelites, to, to not unleash his wrath on these Israelites for their disobedience. And this is what Moses says in chapter of, uh, 33 of Exodus in verse 12. It says, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not. Let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Right after this, this section is where the Lord actually reveals himself to Moses. And this is the section where God basically passes by Moses. He doesn't get to look at his face because if he did, it would literally kill Moses. But Moses got to literally see the glory of God. But through this process, basically the Lord ends up having compassion on his people. He ends up being slow to anger towards his people. And it's because Moses pleaded with the Lord. And Moses is like, look, you can't leave us. You can't go from us. And if you do, like, we're not gonna do anything because the only thing we can do is if you come with us. Like, we're not gonna continue without you. And you see this just overall pleading that Moses has for God. And here's the crazy thing is God listened to him. God was compassionate on his people and he didn't 
unleash the wrath that really these Israelites deserve, all right? So I'm giving you that whole synopsis. So now when we get ready to roll into this next section of Psalm 103, I want you to think about, that's what David's thinking. That's what is in the back of his mind. He's remembering that time for his people where God was compassionate. God was slow to anger. God did not give the Israelites what they deserved. So he's thinking about all of that. He's reminded about all of that. And so when we continue on Psalm 103, it says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. So what you see there is when David's saying that, he's reminded of the time that his people were oppressed. He's reminded about the time that they didn't have justice, yet they saw and he remembers when God brought them out of that, when God had justice on those people. And so he's thinking about that. And so as he's reminded of that, he's thinking in the back of his mind, bless the Lord that our God brings justice to the oppressed. <clears throat> It continues and it says, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Again, we're seeing, that's the fact that God basically revealed himself to Moses. He revealed himself to the the people. So again, David's reminded of those times that God has revealed himself to his people. It says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. David's reminded of the compassion that God, God had on his people. And think about this for a second. Like David's thinking back on this story of where God showed up for the Israelites. He brought them out of captivity. He let them literally cross a river that was heaped up on both sides on dry ground, not even muddy ground. Like incredible story. Like, I don't know about you. Like it would be cool to be part of that story, right? To be able to walk across a river like that, that would be a pretty God moment, right? And I think it'd be something we would all remember. It would be something we're like, man, remember that time? Like we were walking across that river and like we saw the fish, they were kind of flapping because like there's no water anymore. It would be a pretty cool thing. I don't think we would forget that, would you, right? But yet how quickly the Israelites turned yet again. And so if you think about how much God showed up in the Israelites' life and how quickly they turned, it takes that compassion that the Lord still had for them, and it really shows the power of that. And so I think about my own life. I think about the times that God, God has shown up in my life. He's revealed himself to me, and I've seen that, and I've seen his goodness, and how quickly the next day, the next moment, the next hour, I turn to something else. And yet when we think about that, when we really grab a hold of that, Does it motivate us? Does it inspire our hearts to go, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Like, oh my gosh, he still has compassion on me. Like, do we ever really fully comprehend that? So when David's saying that, he's reminded of the time in his life that he's seen God's compassion. It says that he will not always accuse nor really harbor his anger forever. Again, he's reminded of the times that he's seen the Lord do that. It says that he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I think about that line and every time I read that, I kind of have to pause a little bit. I have to kind of think of, well, what do my sins deserve? And I think oftentimes when we look at ourselves, a lot of times what we do, we want to compare ourselves to others and we're like, well, I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not bad, as bad as, as that person. I'm, I'm doing pretty, pretty good. So yeah, maybe I'm not, not perfect, but I mean, the God's, probably, God's probably more happy with me than, than, than that person, right? Like we kind of we do that because, but here's the reality. Like scripture says, like our best deeds are like filthy rags compared to God. Like that's how much of a gap there is between the goodness and the holiness of God in us. And maybe you're saying, well, that's a little extreme. Well, and I, and I think Dallas has, has used this type of example before, but think about this. Think about a perfectly clean glass of water, right? And you take a single eyedropper and you get some sewage water and you just, just a little drop. Who's going to drink that water? Anyone? No, probably, probably not. Like people in Flint, Michigan wouldn't even like drink that water, right? Like it's not good. Why? Because it's one small little drop, but that's just enough to ruin the entire glass of water. That's all that it took. It's almost the same thing. Our smallest sin, that little fib, gives us that separation from a good and holy God. But see, here's the thing. God didn't stop there. He knew that was the case. And he said, look, the only thing we can do is, is I've got to take on this punishment for you because there's nothing that you can bring to the table. You can't try to make yourself good enough in order to come before me. And so that's the whole cross. That's the point of the gospel is for Jesus to be that perfect sacrifice for us, right? To be that perfect gift that 
God sent to us. And so when we think about our sins being removed, that's what we're talking about. That's the story of the gospel there. And so when we think about the fact that what we deserve is that we deserve death, we deserve consequences, and we deserve all of these things. And in actuality, what we get is we get Jesus. We get the forgiveness of sins, though we did not deserve that. And again, so when we think about that, when that becomes back to the forefront of our mind, what's our response? Is our response, yeah, God, man, I appreciate that. That's good. I, man, I, man you're, you're right. I, I needed that. Or is it like, oh my goodness, like God, you have saved me. God, you have cleaned my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I can't believe you've done this for me. I don't deserve this. But I think sometimes that's not our mindset. I think sometimes we think, well, I do deserve it. I am a good person. I do all these things. But the reality is compared to the Lord, we don't. And he didn't have to send his son. So man, are we, when we, when we read these words, do they hit our heart? Do they hit our mind? It says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Again, David, he's, he's adding to this point of how much God has separated us from the sin, from our sin. I've heard it before that the only thing God can't see through is the blood of Jesus. The only thing that God can't see through is the blood of Jesus. And basically what I mean by that is that when we accept Christ, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, his blood basically covers us. It's a figurative thing, not literally, but like his blood covers us. And so God can't see through to our sin. All he sees is his son. All he sees is the blood of Christ. And so when we see that he's removing that sin, that he's separating as far as the east is from the west, like, again, what does, do we think about that? Do we really allow that to overwhelm our hearts. As we move on to this next section, um, David kind of, um, he, he moves into almost this, this mortality fact of our lives, the fact that we, that we, uh, that we're not God, that we're, we are just regular human beings and, and, the, and the point of him showing this. You know, I had a different direction that I wanted to go and I just, I don't feel like it's the direction the Lord wants us to go. Um, church, here's the thing. As I was preparing for this message, um, it was tough because I feel like what we see in this Psalm is we see this guy, David, who he recognizes who the Lord is. He remembers who the Lord is and he takes time out of his life to actually pray, to actually praise the Lord. And he, he sets up his life in such a way that nothing else comes before God. And I just, as I was preparing for this, what was so hard is the fact that I wanna preach this and I struggle with this so much myself this morning as we were praying and we were um, just praying for this, this service, um, there's about five or six of us that were praying. And like, I didn't even pray myself because literally every single person that was praying, it was like the entire message that I wanted to share with y'all. And we got to this point where one of the guys, I don't even know who it was, he just started praying for our country. And he started praying for this world. And the reality church is that like, <laughs> There's just so many things that are hurting in this world right now. There's just so much brokenness. We had to see on the news this week of where a guy in a truck plows through a crowd and kills 84 people. Why? Because we've, we've separated ourselves from the truth of God and there's just brokenness and there's just hurt in this world. And it's because we're not putting God first in these things. We're not going to our knees. And so when we, when we see this idea about that the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, what I thought about when I read that, I thought about all that's going on in this world right now. And I thought about all of the brokenness. And I was talking to, to Brandon, our senior pastor of the church, and he was talking about how, you know, the reality is that, yes, we need to protest. Yes, we need to march. But ultimately, the way that we're gonna see change is from our knees. If we wanna see God do something, we've gotta get our knees. And I'm like, yes, amen, absolutely. We need our hair and knees. Have I done that once this week? No. What the heck am I doing up here? Like, 
If we want to see God do something like Moses, he pleaded with the Lord, God, please spare my people. Don't do this. Like, God, you've got to have mercy on our soul. When David looked at his life, when he looked at all the sin that was in David's life, there's other Psalms, Psalm 38 as a whole. It's basically about pleading with the Lord. Please spare me, God. I don't deserve this grace. I don't deserve this. How often are we going to the Lord? I think about Miss Vivian every single week coming up there for hours at a time and praying to the Lord. And I look at that, I'm like, man, how incredible is that? How awesome is that? Man, I should do that. I don't do it once. Why? Do I not believe this? Do I not believe what these words are saying? What happens is we, we, we come in here each and every week. We know all these things. We know Psalm 103, right? We know the fact that God is compassionate. God is slow to anger. We know these things, but how often does it change our life? How often does it really change who we are? How often does it force us to our knees and go, God, I need you. God, you've got to show up. How often does it really motivate us to the point where we go, God, you really are greater than us. How often does our, literally the world just surround us and it's just about what's best for us. Man, I, I wish I was awakened to these things. I wish that I didn't have to sit up here and say these things and, and feel like I want to try to inspire you. And like, man, there's just so much sin in my own life where, where when I first started preparing for this message, Last week, I saw that um, Dallas posted something and we've got like a staff little messaging thing. And he's like, man, Bo is killing it. He's on fire this week. And my first thought, it's like, man, I'd hate to follow that because it was about me. I wanted to come in here. I wanted to be like, man, I want to slam my Bible down and say, man, that was the message right there. Man, how sinful is that? It's not about me. It's not about me having this awesome message. It's about, are we proclaiming the truth of the gospel? Are we remembering who God is? Man, God, forgive me. God, forgive us. God, we're you where we just distracted. God, forgive us where we don't give us the, the time that you deserve, where we don't spend the time praying, God, where we don't spend the time praising you, God. Forgive us. Forgive us where we allow other things to come before you. God, forgive me. Forgive me to, for thinking that this morning was all about me, for thinking it was about me coming in here and just giving a good message. God, I need your mercy. God, I need your compassion. God, bless the Lord. God, bless the Lord, oh my soul, for the compassion and the fact that how slow to anger you are for me. God, I pray that you stir people's hearts right this second, God, that they were reminded of the truth of the gospel. God, that's not just something that they're numb to anymore. That's not just something that they, they come in here and they, they sing us a couple songs. They're like, yeah, that, that, that was good. And they just leave. But God, it so permeates their heart. It so just comes through to them that their only response is to praise you, God. God, I, I pray that for myself, that it's not just about getting filled up, filling my, my cup up and then pouring it out to, to other people. God, I pray that the only way that I'm able to do ministry is from the overflow of my heart, God. I pray that you inspire me to so dedicate my life to pursuit of you that the only thing that I can do is, is, is respond with what's being overflowed. But God, so often it's not the overflow of, of our heart. God, so often we're running on empty. So often we come in here week in and week out and we just kind of look like zombies because we haven't been doing anything this week. God, forgive us. Forgive me for allowing anything else to come before you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Church, are we reminded of that? Do we really understand that? What we see at the end of this psalm is he sees, is we begin to see the impact that we can have on this world. In the, towards the end, I'm gonna skip through a couple things. It says, but from everlasting, verse 17, to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Honestly, when I read that, um, I immediately thought about the fact that I'm a father now, the fact that it's now, it's not just me and my wife anymore, the fact that um, the role that I play in my family and the fact that um, what I do in my faith um, has an impact on my family. There's some statistics out there that basically say that if a child comes to faith first in the family, right? They're the first ones to, to love the Lord and to surrender to him and their family, that there's a, there's a small percentage that the rest of the family will follow suit, that they'll also come to a relationship with the Lord. If a mother 
the mother in the relationship in the family comes to know the Lord first, the, the, the statistic jumps up a good bit, right? You see that the mother coming to faith first has a, has a much bigger impact on the family than the child. If the father comes to faith first in the family, it skyrockets. It's up to like 93% chance that the rest of the family will follow suit. Is that because there's something better about fathers that they're, they're superior, that they're better? Absolutely not. But for some reason, and I just felt led to talk to fathers here because I am one now, is that like the impact that we can play on our families. And I think if you wanna change a community, if you wanna change the, the area around here, then we start with the fathers, right? And then, but really it's ultimately, you just start in the family. And so, so my heart would be, I don't want you to, to miss the fact that whether you're a father or mother or child, whoever it may be, you have the ability to affect people beyond yourself, and I want us to understand that. I want us to understand that when we come to that relationship with the Lord and we really begin pursuing it and you begin having that overflow type relationship, it's going to literally overflow to everyone around you, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, your coworkers, whoever it may be. David experienced just that. Because at the end of this Psalm, basically David's calling for a response for people. David's, he's, he's thought about all these different things of who, the God, who God is, about his compassion, about his love, about his mercy. He's thought about this so much. He's looked back at times that he's seen God be faithful in the past. And man, so now David is so in tune with the spirit. He's so in tune with what God's doing in his life that now he begins calling other people to follow suit. So this is what we see. We see in verse 20, it says, praise the Lord, you, his angels, you mighty one who do his bidding, who obey his word. So this is what's going on. David's looking at angels, all right? The primary role of an angel is to worship God. And, he, and David is going, hey, angels, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to praise the Lord because I'm, God has revealed himself so much to me. I'm so in tune with what God has done in my life that the only thing I can say is angels, you better be praising. And angels are going, yeah, we got that. Like, that's what we do literally every single moment, every single day. And David's like, well, good, keep on doing it because you need to praise the Lord. David is so inspired by this. He's, he's calling out to angels, to say, praise the Lord. It continues and says, praise the Lord, all his heavenly host, you, his servants who do his will. So again, he's looking to heavenly hosts. He said, hey, heavenly hosts, I don't know what y'all are doing, but you really need to be praising the Lord. And the heavenly hosts are going, yeah, we got that. We literally do that every single day. And David's like, no, no, you gotta keep on doing it. You gotta do it even more. That's how inspired David is. That's how passionate David is. That's how excited he is about what the Lord is doing in his own heart. And so he's calling out to these heavenly hosts. And finally, it says, praise the Lord, all his words everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. So David is looking out to the rest of the creation. He's looking out to all the people around him. And he says, look, God is doing such a work in me. God is moving so much in my life that I want you to do the same thing. I'm beckoning you to do the same thing. I want you to understand how great God is. I want you to understand his compassion. I want you to understand his mercy. I want you to understand these things. So he's saying, look, you all need to praise the Lord. And I hope this morning, church, is that we remember that, that we go and we walk out these doors and we think to ourselves, praise the Lord of my soul for the forgiveness that has been offered to me. Is that gonna be our response or we're gonna walk out and be like, all right, we'll do this again next week. You know, I think about those people in my life that um, they're kind of those people that you, you tell them a story, you tell them something good that's happened in your life and they're like, oh, bless, praise God, right? Praise God, it's so good. And I kind of look at those people sometimes, I'm like, all right, I, I got it, cool. And I'm weirded out by them sometimes, but I'm like, man, they get it, right? They recognize where the, good, where the blessing of the Lord comes from. And so every moment in our lives, are we gonna do that same thing? Is our response gonna be the same thing? I hope that it is. I hope that... If nothing else, that I can take these words this week that, I, that I'm sharing with y'all and that I can apply it to my own life. I pray that I stop looking at people like Miss Vivian and go, man, what an incredible faith, what an incredible discipline. I should be more like that and actually be more like that. Like, I don't wanna play the game. I don't wanna just go through the motions. I hope you all don't as well. So the, the reality is, is that maybe you're in this room right now and maybe that's been you a little bit. Maybe you've been playing some games. Maybe you've come to church before. Maybe you've read your Bible before, but like, it's just never really sunk in. And you look at David and you see, 
how passionate it is he is about the Lord. And you're like, I don't have that. I don't have that type of passion. And so maybe you're like, maybe I don't even know the Lord. Maybe you've never really truly surrendered your life to him. Every week, we wanna give you that opportunity. Every week, we wanna give you that opportunity to say, you know what, I'm ready. Scripture says that today is the day of salvation. And the reason it says that is that, that every single day, there's somebody that that's their day. And that could be this morning, right now. That maybe you're sitting here and you're going, I haven't truly recognized who God is in my life. I haven't truly been thankful. I've kind of looked at myself as like the world kind of surrounds me and I've not really seen what the Lord's done for me. But this morning I see it. I see that Jesus died for me, that Jesus was, was, was killed on that cross so that I would have forgiveness, so that I wouldn't have the punishment, so I wouldn't have the consequence. And you're ready to accept that. And so this morning, if that's you, and you're saying, I'm ready to receive Christ for the very first time, the way we do it, we just want you to slip your hand in the air so we can pray for you, so we can celebrate with you. Is there anyone here this morning that you're going, you know what, I'm ready. Amen. You mind if we pray with you real quick? Um, I about left today. Um, I don't cry, by the way. I don't, it's Jeremy. He's doing it to me. Like, I was frustrated with myself for this message because it wasn't what I wanted it to be. It wasn't as clear as I wanted it to be. And I was about to close up. I was going to close my Bible and say, well, that sucked. And, and yet, because the Lord is compassionate and the Lord shows mercy, we get to see someone's eternity changed. Um, that's cool. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that you moved in someone's heart. Not because of me, God, because your spirit revealed himself to this person, to this young man, who's now entire eternity has changed. Whether you read, he didn't expect that walking in today. And yet, God, you, you moved not because of this silly message or not because of anything else, but God, because of you. God, because you moved. God, let us not miss this. God, we hear our cries, God. Move in this world, God. We need you to show up, God. It's, we've got a hurting world right now. We got a lot of hate. We got a lot people wanting to seek revenge. God, you've come, Lord Jesus. God, we need you to show up. God, we need you to heal hearts. God, I, you need to continue to move in the people's hearts here in this room this morning to continue to reveal yourself to them. God, show us your compassion on a daily basis. God, let us not just take these words and let them continue to be filed away in the back of our mind. God, let this be something that we are so in tune with that every moment that we see even a small blessing of you, God, our response is bless the Lord. Our response is praise the Lord. God, I pray that that is true. God, please continue to use the people of this church to reach this community. God, use the fathers in here to turn their families around. God, use the mothers in here to turn these families around. Use the kids that are represented here, the youth. God, the youth are not the next generation. God, they're the current generation. And I pray that you use them to flip this community upside down. God, you go into these schools and you use these students that are here, God, to reach people, God. And we know that we can trust that you're gonna do that because you are a loving father who has compassion on us. love you, God. We praise you.
So today, if, um, if you're here, and maybe, um, maybe you just need to, to get with the Lord again. Maybe you need to, your prayers maybe have been a little bit more, God, I need, I need, I need, I need. And maybe you're, if you're like me, you need to just stop and just say, just praise the Lord for who he is. You need to stop allowing it to be just about you. Maybe you just need, and so maybe you need to respond in whatever way that works for you. For some people, that's getting up. And that, that act of, of getting up and coming up from, coming to this, this kind of makeshift altar, maybe that's what you need to do. And that's just your way of response. Maybe for you, you need to sit in your seat and get on your knees. Maybe that needs to be your act of response. Maybe you need to stand up and you just need to lift your hands as an act of obedience to the Lord. The reality is it doesn't matter how you respond. It just matters that you do respond. And so they're gonna sing this last song. And the song's title is Give Me Faith. And what a, a perfect way to close today is for us asking the Lord to continue to give us that faith, continue to move in us, continue to show us who he is. And so if you need to come forward, if you need prayer from someone, there'll be people in these blue shirts, grab one of them. Grab me, grab Jeremy, grab Dallas, whoever it is that you want to get with. Receive prayer. If you want to sit in your seat, if you just want to listen to the words, do that. But I ask that you, you respond in some way. My hope and my prayer for Connection Mellon is that God continues to move in y'all's hearts and God continues to do a great work in this city. I think um, the best is only is yet to come. We say that all the time here, but it truly is. Um, I really appreciate um, each of y'all. I appreciate y'all welcoming me in allowing me to be, be family with y'all. And um, I can't wait to, to continue to see what the Lord does. Um, let me pray for us one more time and we'll sing this song. Father, we love you. God, we praise you, God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your mercy. God, I thank you for taking um, unorganized thoughts and unorganized words, God, in a probably a, even a, a sinful um, way of first presenting this information because it was about me. And God, in spite of that, in spite of what I deserve, God, you were able to move in someone's heart. God, we praise you for that. God, come and, and touch people's heart. Continue to move in their hearts. Let us walk out this building, continuing to praise you. We lift all this up in your son's name.